Well, hello, hello, and happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a wonderful time with some family and friends. And I know you all just got done talking about Black Friday, but I'm just curious, a show of hands, how many of you got up, like, early to go bust down the doors? Oh, I know. I know. What of you did? I know. <laughs> oh, just Arlene? Really? Just one person? Okay. I mean, I'm gonna, I was going to give you a prize if you had a super early time. So, Arlene, you get a prize after this for, for waking up early and going to Black Friday sales. Well, I personally, I did go Black Friday shopping with my kids, and but I kind of, I'm over that early morning stuff. I'm like, you know what? Let everybody else go. Break down the doors early in the morning. I'll sleep in. I'll mosey in. And hopefully there will be some stuff left between, like, all the stuff thrown all over the place. Um, I was looking at my friend's Instagram, and she was like, this place is trash. And, like, literally there was, like, the whole store was, like, an explosion of just stuff everywhere from people just, like, coming in and going crazy. It was wild. But um, I took my girls with me. They actually wanted to go Black Friday shopping. I promise. I, there's a point to all of this. I promise. Um, I took my girls shopping with me, and I had to explain to them that we were not going to get up early we weren't because I didn't feel like going and getting any doorbusters. And they were like, well, what are doorbusters? And I was like, oh, my gosh. How do you not know what doorbusters are? But they were like, okay. So doorbusters are when everybody, like, waits outside. The you know, there's these big, long lines. And then as soon as they open the door, everyone, like, busts through to get the best deal. Like, everyone's, like, trampling each other. And that's why they call it doorbusters because, like, you know, busting down the doors, right? And just side note, this is really something I thought we, I should share. This is going to date and age us a little bit. But um, the last time we went to a doorbuster was, like, I don't know, it was like early 2000s, and Taka went and waited outside of a Best Buy. Like, he camped out, like, at nighttime to wait in, in the line. In, this is when we lived in the Midwest, so it was, like, frigid cold outside to get, get this, a Garmin GPS. <laughs> yes, we waited for a GPS. Now we have them all on our phones, and it's, like, whatever, like, why did we ever do that? But back then, it was, like, such a big deal. You could, like, clip it into your air conditioner, and it worked 30% of the time. Some of the streets weren't on there, but, you know, it was all good. <laughs> so, so we did not do that. But, I mean, I think about, like, all of the, like, door-busting, like, rage that we just probably, some of us, experienced yesterday for Black Friday. And, you know, it's not the only, like, outrage that we see going on in our world tonight today. And I mean, I, I think all of us are probably aware that we are living in this age of outrage and like people just being frantic and angry about things all the time. And there's a million things to be and feel angry about, I feel like. We're kind of in the middle of these culture wars, it feels like. And, um, you know, people are arguing and getting upset about politics and they're getting upset about, you know, crazy drivers because I feel like now that everyone's like going back to life like all of the crazy drivers are also back right everyone's like upset about the rising gas prices and inflation there's just a million and one things to be angry about it feels like there's a million and one things to feel upset about and um you know people are I I, I listen to the news and I probably need to like tone it down a little bit because it's so negative but <laughs> So much. I've been hearing so many people just talking about how people are quitting their jobs because they're just tired of dealing with people yelling at them. I mean, I mean, they're like, I, every day I come into work just for somebody to yell at me about some random thing. You know, 
we're short-staffed and I had to wait too long. Or, you know, I'm a teacher and I have to deal with all the culture war things that are happening. Or I work in a restaurant and I have to deal with all these things. Or I work in healthcare and, and people don't want to follow the rules and I'm just here just to give them medicine, you know? And so people are like, I just, I feel like this rage is all around us all the time. And I hope as believers, you know, before I get very far, I just hope that we as believers know that our job should be the ones to be bringing peace into our world. Hopefully we're not the ones causing those people to feel stress. Or hopefully we're not the ones causing them to feel that rage that's always going on in the world. But we're the ones that are coming in and saying, you know what, I hope you have a great day. Here's an extra tip. I want to make sure you're taken care of, and I want to be the difference for you. Because that's who we're called to be, salt and light, right? We want to be the ones that are bringing hope and joy. And so as believers, we should make it our goal not to shame and discredit or belittle other people. Because the truth is that our battle, we know, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. And it might feel like that sometimes because it just feels like everyone's a little crazy right now. (laughs) And so it feels like our battle is with that person who believes some crazy stuff right? Or it is with that person who is driving wild and crazy on the road, right? It feels like that. But the truth is, as we know, is that we are battling the forces of darkness, right? The Bible says we don't battle flesh and blood. We're not supposed to take it out on other people. We battle the forces of darkness. And I think sometimes we think, oh yeah, we're going to fight against our enemy. We're going to fight against him in our world. But we forget that most of the time, the battles of darkness we should be fighting are inside of ourselves. And what's going on inside of ourselves? And sometimes that battle is just raging within us. And it comes out in ways that were unexpected sometimes. And so for those of you who haven't been here in previous weeks, or if you're just now tuning in, um, we've been in the middle of a series called It Came From Within. And we have been talking about the different things that threaten to sabotage our lives. And so, uh, you know, whether that be our relationships, whether that be our relationship with God, whether that be our jobs, it's things that are inside of us that often come out and negatively affect us. And so we've been basing this series called It Came From Within off of a book called Enemies of the Heart. And it's by Andy Stanley, and it's really awesome. If you haven't read it, I highly encourage you to go pick it up. Um, it's, It's so impactful. We love to go over this. Like, we read it probably like once a year, once every other year, just because it's these things that come from within, they can grow really fast if we're not careful. And so last week we talked about um, greed, and two weeks ago we talked about guilt. And if you haven't guessed it by now, this week we're going to be talking about anger. And so my goal this week is to really encourage us to face into what the things are in our own selves that make us feel that anger. And it's really easy to point at other things and say, you know, it came from out there. It came from the crazy drivers. It came from my kids. They didn't pick up their stuff today. (laughs) It came from my spouse. They didn't put their shoes away or whatever. We can say it came from all out there. But the truth is that it's internal. Most of the time, our anger comes out with, um, out of something that's undealt with within us. And I think we can tend to forget about that. And so sometimes we don't even like to say, you know, the word anger. We like to be like, I'm just frustrated, right? Or we're like, oh, my kids are just driving me crazy. 
right? Or, you know, my, my boss is so annoying, right? We, we like to put these, like, softer words on it. So we're like, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just annoyed. I'm just frustrated, right? <laughs> but the truth is, if we don't face into what it really is, there's no way for us to really root it out. And it's going to keep coming out. And so we have to face into it because it's kind of like a bottle of toothpaste, right? When you get squeezed, what comes out of the toothpaste bottle is always going to be toothpaste. <laughs> so we want to make sure that when we get squeezed, what comes out of us is what, comes, it is what represents Christ, right? The fruit of the Spirit. What's coming squeezed out of us would be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, that that would be our natural reaction rather than anger. So what do we do? when we start to feel anger. And I just want to say, you know, I'm not here to give you any rules. I don't think rules really work. I think we, you know, they're good for a time, but I don't think that they actually change our inner self. And so I'm going to read to you a little passage from when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and they were really notorious for thinking that rules were going to fix people's bad attitudes and their bad lives <laughs> and their bad living. And so if you want to turn to Matthew 15, 11, and 18 through 19, if you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We'll put it up on the screen, too. And, and it's just Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and here's what he says. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but you're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And then later down in 18, he says, but the words that you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And these are what defile you. And so Jesus right here is saying that what is within us is what is the most scary. And so we don't want to just go down the road of behavior modification and rules because that's where the Pharisees were off. You know, like I said, they can help us for a time. And, you know, we can all, like, follow enough rules to know that when we're in the target line, we have to wait our turn. And, you know, when we meet someone for the first time, we kind of want to impress them. So you put on your best face, right? But the truth is that when once people are up close to you, the real you comes out. And it's what we do in our quiet moments when no one is there with us, monitoring our thoughts, monitoring our actions. That's what makes us who we really are. And so today we want to talk about healing our heart and, and mind so that we can be proud of who we are. We can be proud of the real us. Um, James 1, 14 through 15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So, like I said, it all starts with the inner temptations first. But I'm a firm believer that whatever you feed grows. But whatever you starve dies. So today in our lives, what we want to talk about is how do we starve anger instead of allowing it to feed on the things that make us angry and allowing it to build and become something that's bigger than we can control. But instead, we want the fruit of the spirit to grow. We have to starve out what starts anger. And so we begin with the roots. So what is the root of anger? Well, I believe anger comes from two places. One it's from pain or loss, usually undealt with pain or loss, or two, selfish ambition. I hate even saying it because it's like 
kind of makes you cringe a little bit. You know, you're like, oh, that's selfish. But, <laughs> you know, I think it's one of the things we have to face into. The thing is that anger is really, it's not a solo actor. There's always a root. And it, a root, and it might seem like, oh, I just got angry in a, in a quick second and I just flew off the handle. But we always have to pay attention to what the actual root was. What set us off? And so first I want to talk about the root of pain and loss. In this case, anger um, acts kind of like a mechanism, and, it, and it's usually an unconscious reaction. And so a lot of us in our lives, we've experienced pain and loss. And if we're not careful, if we haven't dealt with it, we'll lash out. And I'm going to give you an example of, you know, our f a physical um, protection mechanism. So when I was little, I thought it would be really cool. We used to have, like, a really skinny banister on our stairs, and I thought I was going to be super brave, and I was like, how fun would this be to surf down this banister? It was probably, like, that wide. <laughs> so, obviously, you all know how that ended. It did not go well. I tried to surf down it, and I fell off, and I rolled all the way down. Broke my collarbone. It was terrible. I was, like, probably three years old, but I remember it to this day, right? And so, every time I go hiking or I go down the stairs, you will notice I'm really slow and very careful. To this day, I have like an a unconscious protection mechanism. So whenever I'm going down the hills, like hiking, my hiking group is probably so annoyed with me because I'm like going like this, like all the way down the hills. It takes me like three times long because I do not want to fall down and break my collarbone. I know what that's all about, right? And it's terrible. But you know what? Our emotions work the same way. And sometimes we, when we've experienced hurt or pain, we have a little protection mechanism that comes out that's like, oh, I know what this is about, and I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And so we lash out, right? So show me an angry person, and I will show you a hurt person. Some of the angriest people I know are also people who have experienced really huge pain and loss but did not deal with it. And, and I just want to, for a moment, entertain not dealing with emotions. And I know that there are probably people in this room who've been taught that anger is the only appropriate emotion to show, especially if you're a male. In our society, um, honestly, other emotions are not ac accepted well often. And so you may have been taught to suck it up, right? <laughs> Pull up your big boy pants, right? Pull up your big girl pants. It's not just men, it's everybody. We've been taught that, right? Suck it up, cover up your emotions, right? Somewhere along the line, someone taught you that it was unsafe or unwise or unproductive to have emotions that express anything other than strength. And so I just want to say this for a moment, that strength is not the ability to hide emotion, but strength is the ability to listen to those emotions and do something about it. It's like when we have a car and our, all of our little flashing lights go off, we know something's going on, right? That's what emotions are in our life. It's our, it's our moment to say something's going on in here. I feel sadness. I feel shame. I feel, what I, feel, I feel fear. And that's our indicator to look within and to, to pay attention to that and fix it before our engines explode, right? So for those of you who have been taught that there is no other appropriate emotion. Some of you even hide joy. Can I just say that? You've been taught that even joy is silly or weak. But can I just tell you, God made emotions. He made them. He gave them to you. 
because he knows that you need them. They're indicators for your life to teach you how to be healthy and well and when it's time to look within and when it's time to fix something. And so it's okay to embrace those emotions and listen to those emotions. So that's a little bit of a side note, but I just felt like I needed to say that today, um, that it's okay to have those emotions. And you can feel things other than anger. But usually it will come out in anger if you've been taught to hide those. So um, anyways, you have to face into those. But often an angry person is angry because something has been taken from them. Someone owes them something or someone hurt them. And it always produces this, you owe me, or an I deserve this attitude. And somewhere along the line, it's because we didn't get what we need or we wanted. And we all know those people, maybe it's us, who anger could be verbalized in one of these ways. You took my reputation. You stole my family. You took the best years of my life. You stole my first marriage. You robbed me of my teenage years or my childhood. You robbed me of my purity. You owe me a raise. You owe me an opportunity to try. You owe me a second chance. You owe me affection. And this begins the debt-to-debtor relationship. And the people in our lives, whether, or wh- whether they are or whether they are not the one who inflicted that debt in your life, end up being the ones paying for it. And it becomes like a broken record, like on Skip. You guys remember those? I know I'm aging myself again here, <laughs> talking about records. But, you know, when you get a scratch on the record and it's like you just hit the same thing over and over and over again. And the people in our lives just continue to have to pay for our, our hurt and our pain when we don't face into that. So how do we conquer this anger once and for all? So the first thing is that we need to discover the root. So every time we start to feel angry, every time we have a moment where we just want to lash out or we just want to, it's boiling up and we feel like it's going to come out, just take a second. You feel it coming. You know it's coming. So right before (laughs) you react on it, I just encourage you to take 10 seconds to breathe in and 10 seconds to breathe out. It sounds really silly, but it's enough time to get air into your brain and help you think a little bit more clearly. But it's also time for you to ask yourself, why am I so upset? What is triggering this anger? Where is it coming from? And often, what am I afraid to lose here? What am I afraid to lose here? I think loss is one of the biggest factors of why we get angry because we feel like we have to hold on to whatever it is that we feel like we're afraid to lose. So not just the surface, but what is at its core. So until we expose that initial pain point, we can't begin to heal and move forward. So we want to get to the root of what is making us feel angry. So sometimes it's really easy in that moment to be like, well, I really, the root is that that person is really annoying. The root is that person just cannot get it together. They have done this same thing 10 times, and I just can't anymore, (laughs) right? It's really easy to continue to push that back on the other person. But we have to look within, and we have to ask ourselves, where is it coming from? But sometimes, if we're, we're like, really honest with ourselves, sometimes that expectation, like I said, comes from having an expectation that people in your life just could not meet, We had this expectation that we put in place, they didn't know about, 
but they cannot meet it. And so the second thing is that we talked about was root out selfish desires. And I'm going to be honest, I can be selfish. I think we all can be selfish. I think the first time you become, you get married, you realize how selfish you are because you're like, oh my gosh, that person's like toothbrush is touching my toothbrush and I just can't even handle this. You know, like all of the little tiny things that you are like annoy you all come out the second you get married and then you have a child and you realize, oh my gosh, I cannot live for myself ever again. I'm like just going to wait on this child for the rest of their life. And so you learn to root out that selfishness that way. But it, it still remains. <laughs> Even if you're a parent, it still remains, right? And I caught myself the other day. And I didn't tell him this, but I caught myself the other day frustrated at Taka because there was something left undone in the house. And granted, I did not ask him to do this task. But Taka just notices everything. He notices, like, if your shoe is untied, like, like, if you're, like, way in the back room, he still knows that your shoe is untied somehow. He, know, he knows it. And he just goes and, like, fixes things all the time. <laughs> and so I was like, this thing's undone. Why didn't Taka notice this? He always notices things, and he fixes them, right? Okay, I didn't ask him to do it. I just was like, he should have done it. He should have done it. He always does it. And then I stopped myself, and I was like, no, what? You see it, you fix it, you do it, you know. But in that moment, I was, like, a little selfish. And I was like, Tucker should have done it, you know. And sometimes we're that way with people, aren't we? We think we've expected them to do something or be something that they didn't even know that we wanted them to be. And we get this you owe me attitude with people. And, you know, how many times have we expected people to – this one's a big one. Be something that they aren't in our lives. We can look at people and we have these needs in our life, love, fulfillment, whatever it is, and we think, I want you to be the person that fulfills that. But the truth is they can't because they never were made to. They weren't made to do it. They can't be anyone other than what they are. I mean, just for example, again, I'm going to just use Taka and myself as an example he is a very stoic person, and he is not lovey-dovey. He, like, holding hands is awkward for him. And so he's like, he'll, I'm like, can we hold my hand? He's like, sure. And then we're walking like this on the street, you know. And so if I expected him to just, like, want to do that and, like, that be natural and him to, like, naturally just be, like, come in the door and just hug me all the time, that's not who he is. I would be really frustrated with him all the time. But instead, I've chosen to just love him for who he is. And if I have a need, then I have to look to God for that. Because he's the one who knows how to fulfill all those needs. So when we begin to think that people owe us, we end up being sorely disappointed in who they aren't. Instead of just loving them for who they are. And allowing God to fulfill those other needs. Because it's a, it's a misplaced source issue. As believers, we don't believe that people are our source. But that God is our ultimate source. So an angry person has often wrongly looked to people as their source. For just fill in the blank. Joy, fulfillment, comfort, companionship, purpose, safety, encouragement. Whatever it is for you. Right? And so when we're coming up on those short on those internal needs... That's an indicator that it's time for us to reconnect with God and ask him, right? 
We have not because we ask not, right? James 4, 1 through 3 says, What causes the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. And yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So, so often, we have not, like I said, because we have not asked God. And we've been looking for people to fill our loneliness, our longings, our needs. But maybe, just maybe, God has just been waiting for you to ask him. And he's got something even better than you could even imagine. He knows your needs better than you do. And he actually knows how to fulfill them better than you do. So we have to stop looking to people to fulfill our needs and connect back to our actual source. And the next one is forgive. So for an angry person to move forward, the next step is very simple but not easy, right? We have to make up our minds to cancel that debt that we think they owe us. We just have to decide and declare, you don't owe me anymore. You just don't owe me. Sometimes we have to say it out loud to ourselves. Sometimes we need to look at that person and say it. Sometimes we need to just mail them a letter because it's maybe too hard to look at them and say it or write or call them. But we just need to say, you don't owe me anymore. It's the most freeing thing in the world to not be tied to a debtor and not to be looking at someone and wondering when they're going to give you what you want them to give you, right? Thinking about everything that they owe you, what a miserable way to be in a relationship, right? But instead, not expecting anything, but being grateful for the blessings that they have and just saying, you don't owe me anymore because I am fulfilled in Christ. I am happy to live in the fullness of God. You don't owe me anything. And Ephesians 4.31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Easier said than done, I know. And forgiveness could be its own sermon. And honestly, I could talk about forgiveness for three weeks. And I'm not doing the justice for it at all because Sometimes, you know, there's a lot more to it, I know. But at the end of the day, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice that we get to make. And it's not a feeling that's going to come natural. Forgiveness is never like, oh, I just feel like forgiving today. No, we have to choose it. And the feelings come afterwards. So we don't get to choose how we feel about it, and we don't get to choose people's reactions or actions to us, but we get to choose who we want to be. And I think at the end of the day, that's our question of the day, is who do we want to be? And so if the worship team could come forward, the last point is to trust God again. Because when anger flares up, it's really exposing a lack of trust in God for something in our life. And I know it seems like, wait, what? How does that, how does me having road rage <laughs> come up with a lack of trust in God for something, right? Well, it kind of comes down to this, right? We don't always trust God will provide for us, so we look to other people. We look to our bosses. We look to a spouse. We look to someone else, right? 
We don't trust he'll do good for us. And so we take matters into our own hands and we get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes we don't trust that he will protect us. We've been hurt before. And so we self-protect. We push other people away. We don't allow them to get too close. We don't trust his plan. And so we try to control people and situations in our lives. And we get angry when they don't happen the way we think they should. Right? But as we know, these things always lead to just more disappointment and more hurt. And the cycle continues. So final way to get rid of all that is to choose to trust God with your whole life. To replace our doubts with faith. And to just say, God, I trust that you're going to provide for my need. That even that what other people take from me, I know you're still going to take care of me. Even when it seems like there's no hope, I know that you have hope for me. God, I trust you want good for my life. So even when things feel unfair, I know good is on its way. I trust that you have a plan. Therefore, I just let go of the need to control all of the things in my life. I let go. So how do we conquer anger? We get to the root. We starve our selfish desires. We forgive and we trust God again. God sees you and he loves you. He's for you. I think some of you need to hear that today. Some of us maybe have been hurt and we've blamed it on God for a while. We've thought, I've had the slack in my life. God wasn't there for me. He doesn't love me. But you need to hear today, he does love you. He does have a plan for you. He does see good for your life. But we have to surrender control to him. And so as we uh, wrap up today, I just, we're about to go into communion. And I think this is the perfect way to close. Because communion is a way to go back to remembering what Jesus did for us. It's to go back to the moment where he said, I forgive you of all that you've done wrong. Whatever has happened in your past, whatever's gone on in your life, I would move heaven and earth just to have a relationship with you. And so whenever we break open those cups, it's a reminder of, yeah, God is faithful. God your love is so deep, I can't even fathom it. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. And this is our moment. We don't just sing a song because it's a nice thing to do at the end of a service, a fourth song, so we can wrap it up and go home, right? We do this fourth song so we can connect with God and remember he's for us and he loves us. So as we go into this, um, I just want to want to take that moment. So if you could, you could all just grab your cups and um, we're going we're gonna to open this up in just a second but I just want to take a moment to say if you've never accepted Jesus if you've never surrendered to him you don't have to take communion right now you can just take a moment and talk to him and express to him maybe just like God I need to forgive you because I've blamed you or you want God I want to have that relationship with you I, I know what you've done for me, and, and I want to start a relationship. I want to start this. And so you take this moment, and, and that's what you do. You just talk to him, just like you would talk to anybody else. 
But for those of us who believe in Jesus, already have a relationship, this is our moment. So um, when we open up our cups, the first thing that we have is the wafer. And that is representative of his body that was broken for us. And all the pain that he endured so that you and I could have this freedom. So you can go ahead and you can take the wafer. And the next is his blood that was spilled for you. So we drink this juice as a representation of all the blood that was spilled for him. And not just blood for blood's sake, but the Bible says that it's by his blood that we are healed. There's healing power in it. So when we think about all the things that we need to be healed from in our life, whether it's emotional, hurts, pains, selfish desires, or maybe physical, that's what that is. And so we take a moment and we acknowledge who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. So as we close out, we're going to go into this worship song, and I want us to respond. Talk to Jesus about whatever it is that you need to talk to him about. And just keep in top of your mind what he's done for us. Jesus, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that we could do a million and one things wrong. And every time we come to you, we're forgiven. I thank you that we, have, we can never do too many things to be out of the reach of your love. There's nothing you wouldn't do to restore a relationship with us. And so God, as we go into this time, we give you our whole lives, every nook and cranny, every hidden part, we surrender to you. We love you.